You're listening to audio from Grove Park Baptist Church. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.groveparkchurch.net. Throughout the Lenten season, we have been examining different portraits of grace. On Friday night, I mentioned during the sermon that there were whole wings in this gallery of grace that we have not even glimpsed at. We haven't stepped foot in. The subject is inexhaustible. I want to take a moment though this morning and go in a wing we haven't looked at. A, a, A wing that I think could be named resurrection grace or resurrection power in the life of grace. It's it's a theme that we see played out in the various portraits we find painted in John chapter 20 this morning. Each portrait shows an encounter with the risen Jesus and shows us how grace meets us where we are and restores us through the resurrection power that Paul would tell the church at Philippi, he wanted to know more and more and more and more of every day. So let's enter this resurrection wing. And the first portrait we encounter is one that takes place on a dark Sunday morning as dawn approaches. Mary Magdalene, who had been with Jesus at the cross, Mary Magdalene, who had been with him throughout so much of his ministry, goes now to the tomb. And she finds it empty. The stone has been rolled away and the body of Jesus is gone. And she runs back to report this to Peter and John, who immediately go running to the tomb. We pick up in in verse number four of, of chapter 20. It says, both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the, the linen cloth lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him. And went to the tomb, he saw the linen cloth lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloth, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scriptures that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. You got to understand, resurrection is not new for these disciples. They've seen it before. They've been to Jairus' house. They have interrupted the funeral procession in name. They've even been to Lazarus' tomb. But in every situation, they hadn't encountered resurrection like they do this morning. In, in Lazarus' case, he walked out of the tomb bound in his grave clothes. 
these grave clothes are left behind. Indeed, the image is one in which it looks like Jesus has just sort of floated out of them and left them behind and folded the face cloth off to the side. The text gives the impression that Peter especially doesn't quite understand it all. He's a little perplexed at, at what's going on. And, and it says there at the end, you notice, they did not understand the scripture. You see, beloved, to live the life of faith, to live in the life of grace, we must understand that grace has a guidebook and the guidebook is the scriptures. The lesson here is that the life of grace cannot be divorced from the scriptures. Notice with me verses 30 and 31 of John 20. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. This guidebook is written so that we may have life, that we can know grace, that we can live in faith. Too often, we try to live our lives and even live our lives of faith apart from what is in the scriptures. But beloved, this is the guidebook. It will be useless to us. It's almost like walking into a formal art gallery and not knowing a thing about art. Not knowing who paints the picture, not knowing how they paint the picture, not knowing what form of art the picture is. You just sort of stand there and look at it. I told you all the other day, I, I love abstract art. You know, abstract art, it's the thing where they just took a, a paintbrush and just sort of flung it up there. Scarlet at four paints better than most of them do. I don't know the name of any of it. I don't, I, you know, if I didn't have a guidebook, I wouldn't even know what to think about it. It's a lot like life. The scriptures teach us about grace and show us how to live the life of grace. With, without the scriptures, it's useless. Now the same one who plays such a prominent role in portrait number one plays a prominent role in portrait number two. Verse 11 says, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried away him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned and said to him in Aramaic, 
Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me for I have not yet ascended to the father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord and that he had said these things to her. Portrait number two is a portrait of inconsolable grief. And we recognize this morning, or at least we should, that many of us come together every Sunday in some form of inconsolable grief. We come grieving maybe the loss of a friend. Maybe we're grieving the loss of a job. Maybe we're grieving the loss of a dream. Maybe we're grieving the loss of a town. You know, I've said before, it is very difficult for me to go back to my hometown because it's not the town I grew up in. It's so completely different now. It It hasn't shrunk like many towns have in other places of North Carolina. It sort of blew up. Used to, you couldn't go there with and do any shopping without seeing a bunch of people you knew and even more people that you were related to. And I knew things had changed dramatically when I went to the Walmart, which is an old other story, and nobody knew me. Grief comes in various forms for various reasons. Grief sometimes makes us not see what is in front of us. Did you notice that? Mary, who had spent so much time with Jesus, thinks he's the gardener. And the text says, she saw Jesus, but she didn't know him. She doesn't even recognize angels. Grief sometimes obscures how we see things and changes how we understand things and it skews everything and really it causes us in some ways to stop moving forward. I think that's why when it finally becomes clear that Jesus is standing in front of her, Mary grabs hold of him because she doesn't want to have him gone. She doesn't want to experience the loss. She doesn't want the the, the grief to come back. And and Jesus says to her in, in verse 17, he says, notice, do not cling to me for I have not yet ascended to the father. But go to the brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Beloved, grace enables us, resurrection grace enables us to say that life is hard, it is full of sorrows, we do grieve, but it moves us forward. It moves us forward beyond the place of grief that we can still encounter reality. And it comes in like an overwhelming flood that just pushes the sorrow away if we will allow it and let our life be filled with joy just as it did for Mary. We can't cling to the past. We must live in the now, Jesus says. 
We must live in the now and observe the present realities of today and embrace them for what it is and to say unequivocally, there is more. There is an encore. You all know what an encore is, right? It's when they go off stage and they come back on. For Carolina folks, You go to see James Taylor. You pay all this money to see James Taylor. You only want him to hear him play one song. You sit there for two hours. He walks off stage and then he comes back and he sings, Carolina, on my mind. You've waited the whole thing for the encore. Beloved, Grace is the endless encore. We see it here. As Jesus says to Mary, go tell the disciples, I'm back and it's better than ever. Move on past this stage. She goes and she reports to them And it it doesn't say, but somehow or another, I I get the impression they think she's crazy. Because there's no statement here, oh yeah, Mary, that's great news. No, it's verse 19 says, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. You see, I think they think she's crazy. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side and the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you, are withhold, if you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Resurrection grace, beloved, restores us. Peace, not a cessation of hostility. Peace, which means wholeness. It brings us all back together. Jesus says to them, peace, not once, but twice. Here I am. Look. Here are the nail prints. Here's the spear pierced side. I am here and I am alive. Peace come to you. Wholeness come to you. Grace fill you. You're not uh, so inside anymore where, where nothing will work together. You can hold this grace now. You are restored And now that you're restored, he says, you got a mission. And your mission is my mission to declare the kingdom of God. In other words, to bring resurrection grace to everyone you come in contact with. And and it's very quick here in verse 22, but he says, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, Now, we know that the Holy Spirit will descend in fullness on Pentecost. And that is some 40 days yet to come. But, but he says to them, 
I've given you the power now to go do this. I've given you the power to go do this. And if you don't go do this, if you don't go and share resurrection grace, people will be bound in their sins. If you do not go show grace, people will never know grace. To live in the power of grace as we show grace, as we show resurrection grace, is an endless encore. As we see God restore people through forgiveness again and again and again and watch him paint magnificent scenes in their life of grace. The question is, do we do it? Or are we like one disciple who's missing? One disciple who's missing here. Verse 24 says, now Thomas, one of the 12, called the twin, was not with them but Jesus when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Oh, beloved, we have given Thomas a very unfair shake. Because as soon as I said Thomas, many of you said, oh, there's Doubting Thomas, right? Isn't that his, isn't that his name in, in Christian history, Doubting Thomas? Oh, what an unfair moniker. He's not with the disciples. Why is he not with the disciples? All the rest of them are there. Why is Thomas not there? Beloved, I want you to see the picture of a very broken man. He had put all of his hope in the Lord. He was fearless throughout. You go, go back over to John chapter number 11 when they're going to go to, to Lazarus's house after the word has already come that he's dead. And John says, well, let's go and die with him. They think that the Lord is going to be attacked. And, and he says, I, I'm going to go. If you, if you were to go over to John 14, you would see as Jesus is saying, I'm, I'm going to go prepare a place for you that where I am there, you may be also. All the other disciples are not saying anything. But John says, Lord, show us the way. I want to follow you. All these other boys are just sitting here dumbfounded. I'm going to follow you. My hope is in you. And then he watched his hope die. The proverb writer said, dreams, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And Thomas is a sick and broken man. And then Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up and says, see, see Thomas, 
see, Thomas. See? It's me. And what does Thomas say? Thomas says, there's my hope. My Lord and my God. Oh, he's named him. He's already got it understood. All of, all of Thomas's theology is already figured out. He, he, the rest of the church is gonna try to spend the next 300 years figuring out if Jesus was fully God and fully man and all that. And Thomas says, oh no, I've got it all straight right now. Here is hope lived out. I have got it. I'm gonna follow you now. And where does he follow him? Beloved, do you want to see resurrection power at work? Resurrection power, which, which, which now we're before, Thomas is off alone by himself. They say he's, he's back, Thomas, and Thomas says, not unless I see it myself. And what does Thomas do? Of all of these disciples, Thomas will, according to history, go the furthest spreading the gospel. He will go to India. That's resurrection power. That's hope restored. Oh, beloved, you may be here today and you've lost hope. God is still in the resurrection grace business. He's still in the restoration business. He's still in the clearing out grief business. He's still restoring life. He's still ready to do the endless encore. Indeed, beloved, you know, uh, this week uh, at, at Grove Park, we're going to have to close off the sanctuary because we need to do a little construction here in this building. And, and we've walked down this resurrection corridor this morning in John 20. And we've come to the end and, and it's not a wall. It's not a wall. It's construction tape. You say, what? Construction tape? Oh, yes. Remember, it's an endless encore. Verse 30 says, but now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. In other words, this whole story was told so that one day your portrait of grace may be painted and that construction tape moved as we have to extend the wing a little bit further to, to hang your picture up there so that you can see what the power of resurrection grace is in your life for someone else. And so right now, beloved, before every one of us is a blank canvas. The creator, the great artist of all time, stands with paintbrush ready to start painting you in.
Will you let him? Will you let him? Will you let him take your hope that has been broken, your life which needs restored, your dreams which have been deferred? Will you let him take everything? Will you you take the guidebook and, and say, oh, this is how this picture is supposed to look and let him paint that guidebook in you? Will you let grace flow freely into your life today? So that this is not just some Sunday of the year, but this is the start of a magnificent, a masterpiece, if you will, of grace. It's up to you. The artist is ready. Will you let him work today? Let us pray. Lord, I still hear the anthem in my head. Oh, praise the name of the Lord my God. And Lord, we come knowing that the the surefirest way that we can praise your name is giving our lives to you. Some of us here, Lord, gave our lives to you a long time ago, but there's there's still a, a spot in us where we need grace. Oh, Lord, we're all here like that. Just help us to see it. Help us to see, Lord, that that our portrait of grace may have already started, but but there's some touch-up work that needs to be done, uh, Lord, and that we would feel your power to to, to do that. And, And, Lord, maybe there's one here, though, who's never, never, gave you the brush of their life to paint them. Lord, I pray today that they would, that everyone here would leave in the power of resurrection grace. For we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.